Okay, so we are back. Saturday morning, give you the current events. Let's get into it. Hard Talk Radio, live in 4K. All right, so let's get into U.S. diverts diverts ammunition for Ukraine to Israel. (laughs) And Zelensky does not like that. Just ahead of President Biden's speech where he made the case for the U.S. keeping up funding for both for Ukraine and Israel, a report issued by Axios said that Washington was preparing to divert ammunition meant for Kyiv to the Israelis. Journalist Barak Ravid wrote that three Israeli officials with knowledge of the situation told Axios the Pentagon plans to send Israel tens of thousands of 155 millimeter artillery shells that has been destined for Ukraine from U.S. emergency stocks several months ago. This is yet another blow to Zelensky as popular support for funding Kyiv has also been waning in Europe. Infowars reports the 155 millimeter artillery shells, which Ukraine has been badly in need of given Russian artillery supplies have been steadily and far superior, will be shipped in the coming weeks instead of instead to Israel in order to fill the depleted emergency stocks the U.S. keeps there. Under a long-standing bilateral agreement, the Pentagon stores ammunition on Israeli soil. While it belongs to and is overseen by the U.S. military, part of the agreement is that Israel's armed forces, the IDF, can access it under U.S. approval in a war scenario. Starting at some point in late 2022, the emergency stockpiles of artillery shells held in Israel began being sent to Ukraine. But now with the Gaza war entering full swing, swing, Israel will get the extra supplies instead. This move, without a doubt, is yet another blow to Zelensky's government which has retreated from the media spotlight ever since the Hamas terror attack on southern Israel on October 7th. International press has focused on 24-7 Israeli Gaza coverage, a key part of Ukraine's strategy of keeping up constant support, which has included tens of billions in aid flowing from the West, has been kept has to been kept Zelensky and Ukrainian cause center stage in terms of global awareness. Now, though, there is a those days appear to be over. Pentagon spokesperson Patrick Ryder sought to defend the move, stressing we can support both Ukraine and Israeli in terms of their defense needs in line with other top U.S. officials. Great. At, at the cost of, you know, U.S. taxpayers dying. We are engaged and in comprehensive coordination across the Department of Defense. An unnamed U.S. defense official told has told Axios, this includes working closely with our combat Combatant commands to ascertain which munitions and equipment from you, the U.S. inventory can be quickly made available for U.S. Israel's needs. Biden's Thursday night speech sought to continue the, the theme, which had also been laid out earlier this month by Defense Secretary Lloyd Austin. Biden also said that both Putin and Hamas want annihilation, according to a summary of Biden's main points. Biden said he will ask Congress on Friday to authorize more spending for the Ukraine war and unprecedented military aid for Israel. Media reports say that the request will be about $100 billion. It will also include aid for Taiwan, which China will view as highly provocative and funding for border security. About $60 billion is expected to be for Ukraine. As the White House wants to pass a spending package on the war that will last through the 2024 election, Israel is set to receive about $10 billion the military aid, and the rest will go 
toward the border of Taiwan and potentially other areas in the Asia Pacific. In his speech, President Biden attempted to draw a comparison between Hamas and Russia, President Vladimir Putin. Hamas and Putin represent different threats, but they share their, this in common. They both want to completely annihilate our neighboring democracy, completely annihilate it, he said. But no matter Biden's superficial attempts to draw a comparison between the two conflicts and how it's somehow America's duty to jump into supporting both wars, Ukraine is clearly no longer number one priority for U.S. defense planners. Yeah, man, people are really going to have to, uh, they're really just going to have to tighten their belts because we're in for a rough ride. And let's see what Janet Yellen has to say about this. Paul Tudor Jones, the famed investor, was on Fair use. CNBC this week, and he said, this is the most threatening and challenging geopolitical environment that I've ever seen. At the same time, the U.S. is in its weakest fiscal position since World War II, with debt to GDP at 122%. Debt right now is $33.6 trillion. For sake of reference, the national GDP to debt in the year 2000, remember when everyone was supposed to like go bye-bye because of like Y2K, was uh, 55%. Now today, we are at 124% debt to GDP. So we are in far worse debt than we actually have revenue. Can, can America, can the West afford another war at this time? Not without raising taxes to 100% or higher. They probably want to tax your IRAs. I'm just kidding. Legislation already came out and said that. I, I think the answer is absolutely. Um, America can certainly afford to stand with Israel and to support Israel's military needs. And we also can and must. We have needs here at home. We have homelessness on the rise. We got illegals committing crimes, entitled illegals of fighting military age military and they they are part of a uh what is it called agriculture military unit yeah this is uh yeah sure we could afford another war this, this is just up our alley support ukraine and its struggle against russia let's just forget about the homeless people in america huh what about all the vets that are homeless? And uh, forgetting about Maui? Or just uh, everyone struggling here in America, you know, the taxpayers? And look, the American economy is doing extremely well. Yeah. Whoa, that's a lie. Woo, that is a lie. I guess if you want to count inflation being up 7.8% and wages not keeping up. You know, it's uh, it's $3 for water now, $4 for Starbucks, you know, Frappuccino that you had that you see in the um, in those uh, delis. All right. In those vending machines at certain places, $4 for Starbucks, Frappuccino. 
prices are it's getting expensive. Inflation's doing very well. Um, but as far as the American people, the, the people aren't doing very well at all. Um, inflation has been high and it's been a concern to households. It's come down considerably. That is a lie. That is. Say that America's support for Israel is unconditional. Or, or are there some conditions based on what might unfold in, in the days ahead? I think America stands behind Israel, period. Yeah, stand, stand behind an organization. It's not even the real Israel, actually, by the way. 1950s, Egyptian president said, uh, Egypt, you know, I'm sorry, not Egypt. Israel left black and came back white. There's so much about Israel that is uh, scandalous and fraudulent. Okay. But what can I say? Israel owns America, the American media. Um, we stand with Israel. Um, America has also made clear to Israel we're working very closely with the Israelis that they have a right to defend themselves, but it's important to try to spare uh, innocent civilian lives to the maximum extent possible. Look, <clears throat> like I said before, I'm not on anyone's side. I would like to see Israel and Palestine uh, put aside their differences and actually could have peace, but that's not ideal because there's money to be made in this conflict, especially for the US government that is funding both sides of the war, okay? And uh, that's just not possible, but I would like that, that they could put aside their differences. And uh, Benjamin Netanyahu kicked out of leadership as well as everybody else who's on his side. Okay, because Israel uh, has a lot of blood on their hands. I mean, yes, the Palestinian government has the same here too, but uh, you know, um, there's a lot about Israel that is people don't really know about. Okay, especially when it comes to the uh, the Talmud. If you read that, you'll understand why they're doing what they're doing to the Palestinians. All right, let's get into this article right here. The U.S. can certainly fund two wars, but should it? Treasury Secretary Janet Yellen makes it clear that there is always money for war, but not for the people. U.S. Secretary Janet Yellen made headlines this week when she said that the American America can afford to help Israel and Ukraine in their respective war efforts. America can certainly afford to stand with Israel and to support Israeli mil Israel's military need, and we also can and must support Ukraine in its struggle against Russia. Inflation has been high and has been concerned to households, and it comes down considerably 
At the same time, we have about the strongest labor market we've seen in 50 years with 3.8% unemployment. And at the same time, America, the Biden administration has passed legislation that is strengthening our economy in years to come for the medium term, she emphasized. Aside from obvious fact that this is not true on its face, <laughs> given that the House of Representatives has no speaker and thus cannot pass any appropriations for either country at the moment, one has to question the basic wisdom of this notion. Even in a, if America could theoretically afford to support both war efforts, it is really a cause worthy of taxpayers and hard-earned hard-earned taxpayers' dollars. For example, in my column last week for Russia Today, I referenced the fact that $24 billion in COVID-19-related funding for child care centers around the country had expired the week prior, now two weeks ago, which, according to the estimated last month by the Century Foundation, will affect 3.2 million children slash 10.6 billion in revenue from lost worker productivity as parents reduce hours or leave jobs in the scramble to find new care and could result in the closure of many as 70,000 care centers. But we can also think a little bigger. It is estimated that so far the U.S. has pledged around 100 billion into Ukraine alone. Now the Biden White House has presented a draft appropriation package to Congress that would see another 100 billion sent to Israel, Ukraine, and and the border with the with the burnt with the brunt of its designated for two former two if america can't afford hundreds of billions in bombs for its proxies what else might it be able to afford oh i don't know uh the homeless shelters for american citizens those veterans forget the illegal migrants coming to the border send them back how about that creating actual jobs well, for just an estimated $173 billion more, the U.S. would be able to follow through on President Joe Biden's plan to cancel $10,000 in student debt for federal borrowers, borrowers. While virtually every study on the subject is in unanimous agreement that a single-payer single Medicare for all health care system in the U.S. would not only pay for itself, but in fact save American several trillions over a decade, according to even the right-wing Mercator Center. Surely, $200 billion could help increase coverage in the country. Finally, it is estimated that the first year of a tuition-free college, college tuition-free college model in America would cost about $58 billion, just around a quarter of a current and proposed spending on Ukraine and Israel. The U.S though perhaps poised to fare better than Europe, if only its technological edge, military prowess, and emergency independence is in a sad state. People's lives today are noticeably worse off than their parents' generations. Home ownership is unthinkable, expensive, retirement planning is a pipe dream, and the ability to earn more than a subsistence living is beyond reach from, of, of most. Even of the aforementioned advantages that the U.S. has relative relative to peers in the global north are being beaten back by competitors like China entirely because of Washington's unwillingness to invest in anything other than infinitely corrupt military industrial complex. To top it off, the tragedy of stoking these two proxies at once runs the American empire into seriously simultaneously problem wherein it has to contend with the prospects of two civilizational wars and potentially a third over Taiwan that it itself is edging closer to without the serious potential to win any of them. 
There is no conceivable military strategy evident by the failed proxy conflict in Ukraine alone, never mind Israel, in which Washington can contend with Russia and the entire Muslim world at once, with China potentially as an added bonus. So we return to the question, even if America could theoretically afford to support both war efforts, is it really a cause worthy of taxpayers' hard-earned dollars? Of course it isn't. The U.S. must, for the sake of its people and humanity, focus on spending this cash at home while calling for diplomacy. This is even more apparent given the fact that the two existing conflicts and the potential third all involve nuclear states. It is time to seriously reflect on our national priorities if we hope to survive as a nation or even as a species. Pretty much because uh, one of them is going to push that button. One of them is going to push that button to just possibly wipe us off the map. That's how I see it. Now let's talk about uh, Biden wants $105 billion in military funds for Israel. Fair use. Address tonight was designed to convince Congress the U.S. and the world will be safer if we help fund not just Israel, but Ukraine too. A prime minister and a president. American leadership is what holds the world together. Both rallying their troops. President Biden figuratively in a rare primetime address from the Oval Office Thursday night. The risk of conflict and chaos could spread in other parts of the world. The president defending his expected Friday request to Congress, an unprecedented estimated $105 billion in security funding for Israel and Ukraine. $60 billion is said to be slated for the fight against Russia. History has taught us that when terrorists don't pay a price for their terror, when dictators don't pay a price for their aggression, they cause more chaos and death and more destruction. Meanwhile, in Gaza, the Israeli bombardment heard loud and clear. The IDF says they've hit hundreds of militant targets across the region, including ports, intelligence infrastructure, and command centers. A Hamas-aligned news agency says the head of the group's national security forces Palestine protests breaking out at neighboring U.S. embassies. We condemn the strike of Israel against the Palestinian people. Does the U.S. have the strategic and military capability to support our allies in both wars? Uh, it does. Global security expert Hal Kempfert with us at 6 o'clock says the alternative is much more expensive. $105 billion sounds like a lot of money. But we just went through two decades of war after 9-11, and we were talking trillions of dollars. The cost of war, when we're directly involved, is, is truly exponential. We're doing whatever we can to help our brothers and sisters in Israel. Back at home, 10 rabbis organizing a grassroots mission to Israel. The rabbis packing up donations, toys, toiletries, food, flashlights at the Chabad of the Valley in Tarzana Thursday. Sunday, the rabbis, along with 100 packed suitcases, are flying to Tel Aviv from LAX to deliver the goods. This is not an organization to give big bucks to. We're going to the real people. The rabbis over... Palestinians are suffering too. They're real people too. The real people. You see that? The real people. Forget the Palestinians. 
you know. That's what I'm saying, man. People just taking sides, trying this left-right paradigm, Republican, Democrat, Palestinian, Israeli. There needs to be protests against both governments. That's what needs to happen. That's how I see it. But uh, guess what Israelis, Israel government's doing? Guess what they're doing? I'll show you. using white phosphorus in the Gaza Strip. Because a video has emerged, it apparently shows the alleged use of this incendiary weapon, a banned weapon in the densely populated Gaza. Before we proceed further, let's be clear, we cannot confirm the authenticity of these videos from the battleground. And so it is not known if the video was indeed shot in Gaza and if it was in fact a recent video. But why is this a big cause of concern? What are incendiary weapons? Why are they banned? What is white phosphorus? It is a waxy yellowish chemical with a pungent odor. It is a highly combustible chemical that burns quickly and brightly when exposed to air. It is used in incendiary weapons by militaries around the world for a variety of reasons, such as illuminating targets at night or to just inflict heavy damage. It is also very difficult to put out. You see, it clings to surfaces, including skin and clothes, and so it is extremely dangerous. It can cause severe burns, even down to the bone. Now, if that's not shocking enough, those who come into contact with white phosphorus also suffer from respiratory damage, infection, and organ failure. These dangers make dropping them on civilian areas a war crime. So what are international rules? The use of white phosphorus in conflicts raises serious ethical as well as legal concerns. Now, while white phosphorus itself might not be officially classified as a chemical weapon... My thing with war is war is something that is dirty. It's fighting dirty. Rules about not using weapons to destroy, it just seems weird, man. It just seems like everything's just very, very scripted. How many of you have heard the saying, the world is a stage? Okay. You guys are trying to destroy each other, destroy each other and that's what war really is. You're like, no, we can't use uh, white phosphorus, man. We can't do that. I'm like, really? This isn't a sport. This is this is life or death. You're actually trying to unalive each other. I see how horrendous it is, but I just think that in my mind, I'm like, this is war. You actually have rule. You want to have rules of what you can and can't use. This isn't a basketball game. This isn't the NFL. This isn't boxing. This is war. It's fiery, incendiary nature has prompted the world to take action. It is subject to regulations outlined in Protocol 3 to the Convention on Certain Conventional Weapons. This protocol, signed in Geneva in 1980 and enforced since 1983, lays down the law. It puts limits on the use of incendiary weapons, and that includes those containing white phosphorus. The protocol has 115 state parties, including countries such as France, the US, Russia, and Ukraine. The goal? To minimize the suffering caused by these Lethal weapons. This protocol prohibits using them on civilians. 
Not just that, the Rome Statute of the International Criminal Court, in effect since 2002, also provides a definition of war crimes. It prohibits actions such as the destruction of property not justified by military necessity and intentionally... That's nonsense. It's like crying a foul. You treat this like it's a sport, but you did to destroy lives. I don't... Whatever. All right. Okay. Let's take a look at this video right here. Actually see this white phosphorus in action. second minutes okay I got it okay one minute Okay, now it's working. All right, I'm not able to get it. Yeah, all right, I'm able to get it. Hold on one minute. One second. No. All right, moving on to the next. Okay. Just get on to the... Uh, the article here, that's what we're going to do. All right. So, Israel is using white phosphorus in Gaza, Lebanon endangering civilians. Human Rights Watch says the use of the chemical in populated areas violates legal obligation to avoid civilian casualties. What a joke. This is war. Israel has used white phosphorus in its continuing military operations in Gaza and Lebanon, putting civilians at serious risk, Human Rights Watch said, has said, following an investigation. Human Rights Watch said it verified footage taken in Lebanon and Gaza on Tuesday and Wednesday, respectively, showing multiple uses of artillery-fired white phosphorus runs over the Gaza port and to rural locations along the Israeli-Lebanon border. Human Rights Watch also interviewed two people who described an attack in Gaza, the rights group said. Human Rights Watch said the use of white phosphorus in densely populated areas violates Israel's obligation under international law to take all feasible precautions to avoid harm to civilians. They're not going to do that. They look at these people as cattle. They look at these people as not even human. Anytime that white phosphorus is used in crowded civilian areas, it poses a high risk of excruciating burns and lifelong suffering. Lama Fakiv, Human Rights Watch Director for the Middle East and North Africa, 
said in a statement on Wednesday, white fosters unlawful indiscriminate wind air burst in populated urban areas where it can burn down houses and cause a Greekish harm to civilians. Israelis should ban all use of Airbus white fosters munitions in populated areas without exception, the rights group said, noting the availability of non-lethal alternatives. Wow. Non-lethal? This is a war. This is about annihilating each other. And you want to worry about, nah, you know, that's wrong. Use a non-lethal. What? Brian Kastner, a weapons investigator with Amnesty International, said he agreed with H Human Rights Watch assessment that white fosters have been used. There are legitimate uses of, of white phosphorus for marking and screening, but they are very, very few, Kastner told Al Jazeera. White phosphorus should never be used in a densely populated areas, and Gaza is one of those most densely populated places in the world. On Friday, Israel's military denied using the chemical in Gaza, the current accusation made against the IDF, Israeli military, regarding the use of white phosphorus in Gaza is unequivocally false in its statement. <clears throat> it said in a statement. White phosphorus, which can cause bone bone deep burns resulting in death or lifelong injuries, can be used to generate smoke screens, mark targets, and incinerate enemy targets. While the use of the substance in war zones is not banned outright under international law, use near civilians is prohibited under the United Nations Convention on Conventional Weapons, to which Israel is not a signatory. They're not a signatory. They didn't sign that. So basically, they don't care. Israel used white phosphorus extensively during its bombardment of Gaza in 2009, drawing widespread condemnation. Okay, they did it in 2009, and nobody did anything about it. Nobody told them to give it up or restrict them from even getting access to white phosphorus. In 2013, the Israeli military said it would no longer use white phosphorus in populated areas except in exceptional circumstances following the petition, following a petition to Israeli's high court. Israel had pledged to eradicate Hamas from Gaza following the armed groups, armed groups' deadliest attack inside the country decades over the weekend. <clears throat> Israel airstrike on Gaza has killed more than 1,500 Palestinians and wounded more than 6,600 others, according to officials in the enclave. More than 1,300 people were killed and 3,000 injured in Hamas' multi-pronged attack on southern Israel towns on Saturday, according to Israeli officials. All right. Well, what to say about that, man? It's a uh, very, um, it's a very tragic uh, situation right there. All right. But here's more of the cruelty that is happening with Israel. All right. And it is sad to say that, uh, like I said, this is, you know, this is how they view the world. Okay. Hamas is evil, and the Israeli government is evil. That's how I see it. A lot of people want to say, "How you're being a, you're you know you're being a monster." How am I being a monster by choosing 
to see things through the facts. And those are the facts. <clears throat> Israeli Israel government follows the Talmud and sees non-Israelis as animals, goyim. And you could cheat, still lie, and unalive them because they're not human. That's how they see the Palestinians as not human and other people that are not Israeli. Okay. And Hamas, which fights for Iran and claim to be fighting for Palestine, they follow Islam and they see non, uh, non-Muslims as people to unalive unless they want to convert. Now, this is what Israel decides to do, okay? You tell these people who are in the Gaza Strip, the Palestinians, to flee out of the only exit out of the Gaza Strip, and this is what you do. Israel bombs the only way out of the Gaza after telling Palestinians to flee. That's like telling somebody to run to the exit and you gun them down. Fair Israel cut off food, water, electricity, and fuel to 2.3 million Palestinians in Gaza. This is evil. This is evil. But if it happened to them, they want to cry victim. That's the thing with Israel. You want to do things to people like this? You really, Israel should be protesting against Benjamin Netanyahu. I know they are, but they need to go hard. All right. They need to demand that he gets out of office because he was told by Egyptian officials that Hamas was coming to attack them, to attack Israeli civilians. And you told your men who were operating the Iron Dome to stand down. You knew this three days in advance, three days. So your anger should be at Benjamin Netanyahu. That's where your anger should be directed to. Outrage after Israel told Gazans to flee to Egypt, then bombed lone border crossing. On Tuesday morning, Israel bombed the Rafah crossing in the Gaza Strip, which was the only border crossing that the Palestinians were able to use to flee to Egypt. Hamas has claimed that crossing has now been rendered impassable. The Israel Defense Forces said Tuesday afternoon that it hit an underground tunnel for smuggling weapons and equipment in the Rafah area on Egypt on Egypt-Gaza border, but it did not confirm or deny hitting the crossing itself. The Times of Israel report is reporting. 
After demanding that the Palestinians leave Gaza, the Israel army is now bombing and reportedly killing civilians attempting to escape through the Rafah crossing to Egypt. This is hardly the first time it's done this. Okay. Israel's military, the IDF, reported the conveyed a warning to Gazan officials just minutes before it was bombed. Also, the Egyptian, the Egyptian side operating the crossing was warned just before the airstrike. The Rafah bombing has called international outrage, given that in hours and days prior, the Israeli government has repeatedly told Palestinians in Gaza to flee because massive airstrikes will continue. Many have wondered, but where did they go? The Rafah crossing is essentially the only possible escape for Gazan civilians. The Washington Post has noted the Gaza Strip is just over twice the size of Washington, D.C., but the triple the population at around 2.3 million. The IDF has meanwhile tried to walk back some earlier statements which told the Palestinians to go to Egypt. Early in the year, a senior IDF spokesman advised Palestinians in the Gaza Strip to flee to Egypt, but the military issued a clarification shortly afterward. In recent days, the IDF has been instructing the population inside of the Gaza Strip to distance themselves from the designated areas. We emphasize that there is no official call by Israel for the residents of the Gaza Strip to exit into Egypt. The IDF said in English language statement. It sounds like an earthquake and driving through the Gaza Strip, the Gaza City um, southern neighborhood, the scale of destruction is staggering. In the Gaza Strip, the death toll continues to soar as mostly civilians are experiencing the burnt, the brunt for of the retaliation after the Hamas terror campaign of the last days. With the Palestinian Health Ministry saying the number of people killed has risen to 830, to, with 4,250 wounded, as cited in Al Jazeera. Updated metrics show further declines in internet connectivity in Gaza as Israel launches counterstrikes following an offense by Hamas operating Platlow anticipates a total blackout if any further international routes are damaged. Hospitals in Gaza have also reportedly overwhelmed as gruesome scenes of wounded and dead men, women, and children continue to come out of the war-ravaged strip. Rhetoric out of Israel officials have continued to dehumanize all Palestinians in the strip in an attempt to provide cover for the massive bombing campaign of militants and civilians alike. All right. Justin, a military commander from Israel, likened Hamas to ISIS and expressing frustration at the situation. The statement also conveyed a belief that the conflict had escalated. Hamas has become ISIS and the residents of Gaza are celebrating. I don't think they're celebrating. I don't know. No. They're just as much prisoners, okay, and they're just as much victims as the Israelis who've been bombed. As you know, who were uh, in that attack, who suffered that attack on October 7th, okay? Palestinians don't like Hamas. They don't. Hamas doesn't work for them. Hamas is a bunch of bullies. 
people don't understand that. Now, here's something strange about Hamas uh, releasing prisoners. Let's check that out. First hostages released by Hamas and a top negotiator directly involved tells NBC News finally free and safe in Israel. The first hostages released by Hamas and a top negotiator directly involved tells NBC News hopefully it's just the start. Judith Ty Ranun and her 17-year-old daughter, Natalie Shoshana Ranun, are American Israelis. Natalie just graduated high school. They live outside Chicago. They were taken hostage while visiting family at the Nahalods Kibbutz near the Gaza Strip. I can't speak to uh, the condition of the uh, two hostages who were just released. Uh, first, out of respect for their privacy. Uh, second, because we haven't had a chance yet, maybe it's happening as we speak, to get our own team uh, in there to, uh, to see them, to, uh, to evaluate them, and most importantly, uh, to um, reunite them with their loved ones. The release was first announced by the Hamas military spokesman, who said the group freed the mother and daughter for humanitarian reasons and to disprove what he called false and baseless claims about the group by President Biden. Earlier today, there were signs that negotiations were making progress when Israel confirmed that of the more than 200 hostages, the majority are still alive and in Gaza. Israel said 20 are under 18, and between 10 and 20 are over 60. It's a strong indication Israel has received proof of life and that information is flowing. Hamas is under pressure in Gaza from Israeli airstrikes and from Arab mediators to release the hostages. On Monday, the group posted a video of a woman and made an offer to release foreign hostages. A senior Hamas official then told NBC News the group is willing to release all civilians and dual nationals with a condition. We are ready to release uh, all the civilians, including the foreigners. All of the civilians, including the Israeli civilians? Including the I'm sorry. You are you? Can I just clarify this? You say you're willing to release all of the civilians, including the Israeli nationals, yes, if there is a stopping. Yes, including the Israeli civilians and all the foreigners. And what are you asking for in order to do that? Do you want the airstrikes to stop? Is that the condition? To stop the aggression. How can we technically, logistically, it is impossible to do it? So that our, our viewers might hear that and say that this offer doesn't mean anything, that if you're not willing to carry it out, then it doesn't mean anything. How? Well, if you stop the aggression, it can be implemented over the next hour. Israel never stopped bombing, and there's no sign it's willing to. Israel is continuing its military buildup around Gaza ahead of a possible ground invasion, and the airstrikes have been relentless. Israel says it's targeting and killing Hamas leaders, but neighborhoods are being flattened and civilians are dying. Today, there were funerals for 16 Palestinian Christians. They were taking shelter in a church in Gaza, damaged by an Israeli airstrike. Israel confirmed it attacked what it called a Hamas command center near the church and says the church itself wasn't a target.
That's a lie. That is a lie. That is a lie. Israel does not like Christians within its city. Okay. They do not. And if they, they spit on Christians there, they humiliate them. They do not like them. They get away with bombing a church, they could do it. Like I said it before and I'll say it again. They operate under that Talmud more than the Torah. It's a Talmud functioning government in Israel. And they sign and they very much in favor of those Noah Hyde laws. And this President Trump that you love so much, just like Biden, just like Obama, and every president um since Jimmy Carter, they signed those Noah Hyde laws. And it's basically anybody that worships a a, a a different God than the God of the uh the uh, the Israelis, you're gonna be unalive. And there's a Noah Hyde movement growing. Um, overseas. Okay. That's what they want. And the Israeli government is showing their true face. Okay. But you know who you should be asking questions about is the evangelical Christians. How the heck could you keep supporting a government like this and not know how they feel about you and how they feel about people who are not Israeli? How could you not know and not stand up to this and call, hold, hold them accountable? That's what I'd like to know. Okay. Because if they could do it to this faith, they'll do it to other faiths. Okay. They've done it to other people. They've done it to people of, you know, treated people of, uh, people of color bad. You could look up videos online about how the Israeli people and its government treats people of color, especially black people. And they dropped the end bomb with the hard ER. Hamas releases American hostages. Militant group has said that it freed the mother and her daughter for humanitarian reasons. Okay. Hamas has released two American captives. A spokesperson for the Palestinian militant group said on Friday, the group said that it freed the hostages to prove U.S. President Joe Biden's fascist administration wrong. Uh, no, no, you guys are still animals. In response to the Qatari efforts, Al-Qasim brigades released two American citizens for humanitarian reasons. Abu Qada said in a statement referring to Hamas military wing, he added that the move was intended to prove to the American people that the world and the world that the claims made by Biden and his fascist administration are false and baseless. It is unclear which of Biden's claims that Oquada was referring, although Hamas spokesman may have been referring to the American leader's declaration on Wednesday that the group's fighters have committed atrocities and make ISIS look more rational. Uh, Abida said that the two Americans released were a mother and her daughter as of Friday night. Neither American nor Israeli authorities had confirmed the release, although the Red Cross told the Israeli newspaper Haritez that it had released the two women. The women were named Israel in Israeli media as Judith and Natalie Reina. 
Hamas says that it's currently holding around 200 hostages in Gaza, while another 50 are being held by other militant groups in the territory, and 20 have been killed in Israeli airstrikes. Earlier this week, senior Hamas official Khalid Mashal suggested that Israeli captives could be traded for Palestinians in Israeli jails, while foreign hostages would be released when circumstances allow. More than 20 Americans have been reported as missing since Hamas launched its surprise attack on Israel almost two weeks ago. U.S. National Security Advisor Jake Sullivan told reporters on Tuesday, Republican Senator Jim Risch said this week that 10 of his of this number are in captivity in Gaza. We're going to do everything in our power to get them home if we can find them, Biden told CBS News earlier this week. Biden did not go into further detail on its administration's efforts to recover the hostages, nor did he mention the Qatari government's involvement as a mediator. I wouldn't trust Biden. Okay. And uh, this is sad. It's a sad situation what's going on here. All right. And uh, this could um, end up on a positive note. This could end up on a bad note. But you see how people are just being sucked into this grinder of this war, this proxy war between Israel and uh, Hamas. And, you know, it's spilling into the ways of life in New York City. Okay, and uh, it is really coming to a point that uh, if people are not looking objectively, people are going to get swept into it. Okay, they're going to get swept into the the nonsense of what's going on here. Between Palestine and Israel. And here's a story that is... Uh, proves what I'm saying. Okay. And this is a story that is it's uh it hits close to home. And the fact that just because you watched a television program what's going on between two countries two factions doesn't mean that you should take action and take it upon yourself to try to involve yourself in some in some way Okay, with a, a conflict that really doesn't have much to do with you at all.
it has nothing to do with you in that sense. You're far removed from it. But let's let's get into this story. Let's get into it. I found it. It's a story that uh, heard about during this week. I'm going to talk about it. Fair use. A boy and the boy were in their uh, unit. Basically, they're renting a floor in the house of this man who committed this crime. When he knocked on their door, she opened it. He had knocked on the door many times before. Um, she had no reason to suspect anything. And when he opened the door, he proceeded to choke her. The mother who's 32 years old. Her name is Hanan and attempted to stab her. And she ran into the bathroom and called 911. And by the time she came out, he had located and murdered her child, six-year-old Wadia, by stabbing. He attempted to choke her and said, you Muslims must die, and attempted to stab her and stabbed her. And she went to the, to the bathroom and called 911. And this was, this was all, in her own words, seconds. And by the time she came out, her son had been stabbed 26 times. It's heartbreaking. And again, it's because it's in this community. He had nothing to do with it. All because he was an innocent child. He was Muslim, that's what happened. He was Muslim and this is what they did. This is what this monster did. I'm trying to start this teddy bear foundation for the mom and for the little boy who didn't deserve this. That's a baby. That's a precious baby. He didn't. 26 times. How can anyone do that to a little boy? When he goes to jail, they aren't going to give a damn how old this old man is. He's going to get it. Palestinian boy had good relationship with landlord before fatal stabbing. Last words revealed. Chicago landlord accused of stabbing a Palestinian American six-year-old to death in response to the war between Hamas and Israel. Had a good relationship with the boy and the mother before his slaying. Joseph Kazuba, 71, who allegedly shouted, you Muslims must die at Little Weta Al-Fayoum and his mother before stabbing the boy 26 times with a 12-inch military-style knife and had not had issues with the family before the brutal attack. The boy's father, Ode El-Fayoumi, told the Daily Beast, my ex-wife and son knew him and they had a good relationship. It is hard to picture this man holding a knife to stab my son, El-Fayoum said. I keep thinking that my son was probably running towards him before getting stabbed trying to give him a hug. The anguished father described his son as a small angel in the form of a person and said his last words to his mother was, I'm fine. His ex-wife, Hannah Shahin, 32, was stabbed more than a dozen times in the attack, but is expected to survive. The mother and son had lived on the ground floor of Kuzu Kuzuba's home 
for about two years and the landlord had given out of had gone out of his way to build a treehouse and an indoor play area for the young boy his father said it all felt like torture the reason that led to the killing we had no information about that four out for four hours at least for those four hours felt like 40 years i formally said the council on american islamic relations chapter chicago chapter said that the landlord had been angry with what he was seeing in the news and went to knock on the family's door when the mother opened the door he allegedly attempted to choke her and went to stab her and the boy with a knife Karis said detectives were able to determined that both victims in this brutal attack were targeted by the suspected by a suspect due to them being Muslim and an on and the ongoing Middle Eastern conflict involving Hamas and Israelis the Will County Sheriff's Office said in a statement President Biden said he was shocked and sickened by the horrific act of hate in a statement released Sunday the child's Palestinian Muslim family came to America seeking what we all seek a refuge to live learn and pray in peace the statement said this horrific act of hate has no place in America and stands against our fundamental values, freedom from fear for how we pray, what we believe, and who we are. Meanwhile, the boy's father says he hopes his son is remembered as a symbol of the Palestinian people. Good God. People know that we, too, get discriminated against, he told the outlet. I want this to open a door for freedom for the Palestinian people. Kuzuba was taken into custody at the scene and was transported to a hospital to treat a cut on his forehead he has since been charged with first-degree murder attempted first degree and two counts of hate crimes and aggravated battery with a deadly weapon he is being held at the will county adult detention facility and is awaiting his first court appearance he, he basically threw his life away the minute those inmates find out what he's done he is he will be a memory all right that's all i have for now Anything you want to know about this channel is in the description box. If you like donating to the Cash App, feel free to donate to the Cash App. I am on uh, Rumble, Radical Thought 791. And I am on Spotify, Hard Talk Radio, Live in 4K. And I have a Patreon that will be, be in the works soon, getting you all the content that can't be shown on mainstream social media platforms. Okay. Like, share, comment, and subscribe. Later.